In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I was asked a question recently by someone. Are we Catholics allowed to be sad? Are we allowed to be sad? And it's a good question. It sounds like a silly question because being sad is such a natural, I mean, seemingly natural human thing. It's so common. There's so much evil that happens in the world, so much tragedy, that it would seem kind of artificial if the answer was no, we're not allowed to be sad. And I don't think that's the answer. I think that we are allowed to be sad. But why is the question asked to begin with? We're allowed to be sad because evil does exist in the world and it affects every single one of us. But we're not allowed to despair. We're not allowed to despair. We're not allowed to fall into such a sadness that all the lights go off. We're not allowed to give up, period. That is absolutely true. Despair is a sin. The word despair means to give up hope. To despair, to give up hope, to no longer recognize the light at the end of the tunnel, to stop being encouraged to move on, to, to lack the motivation to continue, that is certainly not allowed in Christianity, period. Jesus was sad. Jesus was sad when Lazarus died. He wept. Jesus looked over towards the temple in Jerusalem from afar, and he said, not one stone will be on top of the other because it's going to be destroyed. And then again, Jesus wept. Jesus was sad. But at the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is being beaten down, essentially, by all the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, when Jesus is being weighed down by all the suffering and all the sorrow of the earth, when he's carrying the suffering, the sorrow, and the punishment for the sins of every single one of us through all of history, when Jesus becomes the one sole man, the new Adam, the new head of the human race, who takes upon himself all the punishment and all the suffering of humanity upon himself, yeah, he was sad. Yes, he had a difficult time. He was sweating blood from his forehead. Jesus was going into a, went into a really dark place. And then he got up when he said, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus accepted it and he got up. And he was stronger for it. He went on, he went on carried his cross and took all that stuff that, he, that was laid upon his shoulders from all of humanity, took it upon himself, took it up to the cross and killed it all with his own death. In the Gospel reading, so this is in the Last Supper. Jesus is with his 12 disciples, his apostles. A little while and you will, you will not see me. Again, in a little while and you will see me. And in the Chaldean, there's the added, I, because I go to the Father. That's in the original text for various reasons. It's not in the English text, but there it is. What is he referring to here? A little while and you will not see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. Some will say that he's referring to his death and then his resurrection. That seems kind of clear. Uh, a little while you won't see me no more because I'm going to die and I'm going to be buried. And then again a little while, on the third day, you will see me. 
because he rose from the dead. But I'm not sure that that's what he's talking about. I think he's talking about a little while and you will see me no more because I go to the Father. And again a little while and you will see me because I'm coming back again. We will be united again. Before I come back, if you die, we will be united then. There's eternal life. This is what I think he's talking about primarily. So that later on he can say, Amen, amen, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. Well, shucks, that sucks. I mean, what, what does that mean for us? The world will rejoice, it'll have a good time, it'll party, it'll, it'll have a blast while we just sit here lamenting and weeping and being sorrowful. Does that sound like a good deal to anybody? Does anybody is anybody actually going to take that up? Is that a good business model to go off of? How is that at all? Motivational. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And then he gives the example of a woman in labor who in her labor pains is an excruciating pain and she's sorrowful because she's going through all that pain. But then the child is born and she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a child is born into the world. Look at that. This is an amazing line. It's a great example, very good analogy that Jesus gives us. I've actually talked to women and they said this. I mean, no woman has not said this that has given birth. The joy that one, that the woman experiences, that the mother experiences at the birth of her child actually makes her forget the sorrow and the pain that went into giving birth to that child. There is joy so strong that it overshadows the pain that preceded it. This is what Jesus says. It's amazing that he says it in relation to himself because he's using a natural example. He says, look, you wanna know what it's gonna be like? Let me just give you an example. The, maybe the most intense example on earth, but it is a natural example, one that happens every day. You already know what I'm talking about. Like when a woman gives birth, she's in a lot of pain and she's sorrowful and she is in excruciating distress. But then when she gives birth to the child, the joy that she experiences make her, makes her forget all that stuff. There is a kind of joy that makes you forget all of your pain. There is a kind of joy to look forward to that makes the pain worth it, in other words. So yes, you can be sorrowful, but you cannot give up, otherwise you're not gonna give birth. You can't give up, you cannot give up, because otherwise, you're never going to experience that joy that makes you forget your pain and you will live in your pain forever. That's the point. Despair is the devil's cocaine. Remember that. The despair is the devil's favorite drug. And he wants to dispense it to every single one of us. Why? Because if we despair, the second that we give up, we can be sad and we can do all those things. The second that we give up, we are stuck in that pain forever, that's a guarantee. But once we cross that finish line, then we reach that joy that like a woman after giving birth will be so strong and so intense that it makes us forget all the pain that led up to it. What is that joy then? So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. 
That is the amazing last line. What is the joy that he's talking about? Giving birth, in Jesus' analogy, is the, the, the greatest pain that results in the greatest joy. Cool. But there's something greater than that even. Having gone through all the excruciating pain of this life and the sorrow that we experience here by accepting our crosses while the whole world rejoices, while the whole world is praised, while the whole world is having a blast and being entertained and so on and so forth. We accept the cross that Jesus lays on our shoulders. We don't distract ourselves from it the way the world does. We don't run away from it. We don't evade it. We take it so that we can cross that finish line and enter that joy. What is that joy? Union with Christ. Seeing Jesus. Jesus says, I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. No one will, re no one will take your joy from you. Seeing Jesus, being in union with him, in relationship with him, that is the joy that surpasses all understanding and makes one forget all the pain that preceded it. So what does that mean for you and I now? Because we can have already, I mean, that's the, Jesus is talking about heaven, of course. But we can already start to experience it in some way now. And it is on us. It is, our, it is uh, imperative for us to begin trying now to form this relationship with Christ and to, to experience the joy that comes with that relationship through prayer. This is why the church has always told us from the scriptures to the early church fathers all the way down to the modern church today has always been consistent in saying daily prayer is indispensable for the spiritual life because we don't know the joy that we're talking about. If we don't know the joy that we're talking about and what we're aiming at, which is the very person of Jesus Christ in a relationship with him, if we don't know that, how are we going to make sense of the pain that precedes it? If a woman doesn't know that she's giving birth and she's in all this labor pain, she has no idea what's going on. If we are in all kinds of pain and we don't know what the end line is, we don't know what the reason for it is, the pain and the suffering and everything about this life, the crosses that we carry, all of it are gonna become incomprehensible. They're gonna be just chaotic. It's gonna make no sense and therefore it's not gonna be worth having. And maybe we might just go and entertain ourselves the way the rest of the world does. Maybe I don't wanna lament right now and I'll just go, be joyful like the rest of the world. But that doesn't end up working out in the end because we don't, end, we don't cross that finish line, we don't enter into that joy, and then we're stuck in that sorrow forever. Are we allowed to be sad, sorrowful as Christians? Absolutely. But we can't take it too far. We can't allow ourselves to take it too far because there's something waiting for us, something that will make all the sorrow forgetful. Amen.